Reverend Dick Amon, Reverend Richard Carl Amon, uh, served Bethel Lutheran Church in Willowick, Ohio. Um, he's my wife's grandpa. And one of the, uh, the sad days in our marriage is July 4th, 1996. That's when Dick died. Uh, it was a great loss to our family, but no one grieved his death like Tilly, whom many of you have met. Chris's great, Chris's grandma, the, the kid's great grandma, um, because for her, he was the love of her life. Two years later, on July 3rd, 1998, uh, I drove Chris to St. Joseph Mercy Hospital in Pontiac, Michigan, and uh, late that night, our oldest child was born, a son, whom we named Richard Carl after Chris's grandpa. And later, on the fourth, the same, you know, the anniversary, second anniversary of Dick's death, Chris called her grandma Tilly, and as they gave the news that there was this new Richard Carl who was in the world, somewhere in that conversation, Tilly said something like this. She said, I got up this morning expecting it to be a sad day, for everything to be gray. And all of a sudden, there was joy. Today's the third Sunday of Advent. And we, we lit our third candle. We had a little bit of a problem with that. The wick was a little bit low, but we, we've got it under control now. And the pink candle is burning back there. And uh, we call that candle the candle of joy. Who here could stand a little bit more joy in their lives. None of you. Okay, that's fantastic. Well done. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, me too. I kind of struggle with joy. Um, the sadness and injustice of the world, it overwhelms me sometimes. As a pastor and, and as a Lutheran, uh, if there's anything that I understand about life, uh, it's how pro profoundly our lives my life is tainted by sin and how that sin brings suffering, sorrow, and death. I have that in my mind a lot. And sometimes I, I have to wrestle to see joy. Uh, that is actually part and parcel of God's gifts of grace and, and, and hope and peace and forgiveness and, and, and all of these things that all of them, they're, they're connected to and they, they tie together with joy. So, so let's dig into to joy today. Let's look at this gift that, that God gives his people and ask if we want it. But first, pink candle. What's up with, with a pink candle instead of a, of a blue one? Well, this goes way back in, in, in church history. And early on, um, when, when the church was starting to organize like scripture readings and things like that, uh, the, the first festival that they made sure that they observed and they had a, a, a season to prepare for was Easter, which kind of makes sense, right? That's when our, our salvation was won. Jesus died and he rose. Everything hinges on that. But pretty soon people were like, well, it's pretty darn important that Christ became human and he was born. And, and so they started celebrating his birth. And they had a season beforehand, Advent, which was, at the time, six weeks, just like Lent. 
And it was a penitential season, just like Lent. And it was observed with fasting, just like Lent. And just like Lent, there's a week where the fasting lets up just a little bit, where there's a little bit of a, of a time of rest and a little bit of time of recognition that, you know, we're kind of putting ourselves through this time of penitence, but the salvation has been won. Therefore, a pink candle, a bright candle, announces that day that the fasting is kind of paused and we can celebrate, we can eat the things that we want to eat and we can rejoice in God's salvation because even though we're preparing for it, the reality is Christ has come, he is born, he has died, he is risen, he is coming again. And so we have this, this time of joy in the season of penitence. That's the history. Now to the heart of the matter. What is it about joy that makes it so elusive sometimes? I think part of the issue here is similar to what I talked about with hope and peace, um, that there's a little bit of confusion in terms of what exactly joy is. And I gotta say that even after I wrote this sermon, I continue to think about this, and I find this to be rather complex. Um, you know, and that, that might sound you know, kind of dumb, joy, complex. What, what, what's complex about joy? Well, what, what I find complex is that, you know, a lot of hope seems to tie to joy, which also ties to peace, which also ties to grace, which, you know, it, it, it all kind of tangles together in terms of what everything, you know, if you wanted to say this exact thing is joy without talking about hope, without talking about peace, without talking about grace, I'm not sure that you actually can. And and so these things, they all kind of wind themselves uh, around each other. And and I I also think that we tend to confuse joy with happiness. Now, I do think that people who are joyful tend to have happiness in their lives. But happiness itself, even though it it appears very similar to joy, um, they're not the same thing. You know, happiness tends to be kind of on the surface. It, 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 it's found when good things happen, and, and it kind of comes and it goes. But joy is actually something that's deeper. It can even exist when life is difficult, even when life is painful. So in our scripture reading today, in, in, in the second one, in Philippians 4, verse 4, we read, Rejoice in the Lord. How often should we rejoice in the Lord, according to that reading? Always, yes. Hold on to that for just a second here. Rejoice in the Lord always. This is saying that we can have joy in the Lord at all times, in all circumstances, no matter what's going on. When the car battery dies and you are 15 minutes late for work, you can have joy. When the promotion passes you by, that you worked really hard to get, you can have joy. When the diagnosis isn't good, you can have joy. Even when a loved one dies, you can have joy. In all of these situations, there can be joy, even if happiness is nowhere to be found. 
And there can be joy because Jesus has won the victory for us. Joy is found in, in, in setting our, our life, our identity, everything about us on this foundation that the God of the universe has loved us so much that he has redeemed us and claimed us and made us his own people. That God would give his only begotten son to die for us, to redeem us. That is cause to rejoice no matter what is happening in our lives. Joy looks at at all the situations of life and says, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And nothing, not height, nor depth, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor, nor height, nor depth, nor, nor anything in all creation can separate us from the love of God. Because our Redeemer, our Savior, our Lord and God lives. Indeed, our Lord Jesus died, but he rose He rose from the dead, and he lives, and he reigns. He prepares a place for us. And on the last day, his Holy Spirit will raise us and all believers from the dead to to lives where we live with him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. This is most certainly true. And because this is most certainly true, no matter what happens, we can have joy. I think joy has, it has a matter of perspective to it. That says, look at what God has done. And how do my sufferings compare to that? Well, they don't. They're unworthy to be compared to the glory that's being revealed to us in Christ. And these are things that we have, even though we don't completely experience them. And therefore, we have joy as we look ahead to them. Joy is deep and abiding belief that God is there and not just that he is there, but he is with us and he is for us. It's believing that God saves, that he has won the victory, that he keeps his promises, that he will see us through. So what can the world do to us? Nothing. Why? Because of our positive attitude and good thoughts? No. Our joy is rooted in the fact that God has promised joy in Jesus' salvation. Horatio Spafford, anybody familiar with the name? Horatio Spafford was a successful lawyer in Chicago in the late 1800s. But his life was really rather touched by tragedy. In 1871, uh, he lost his two-year-old son. And, and later in that same year, he lost a lot of his, his wealth and property in the great Chicago fire. In 1873, after he had recovered a, a little bit, he planned to travel Europe with his wife and his four daughters. At the last moment, uh, he, he had to change his plans. You know, you can imagine that after the Chicago fire, there's, there's a lot of legal stuff going on with property boundaries and, and all of this kind of stuff. And a case came up that he had to attend to, but he didn't want to ruin the vacation for his, uh, his family. So he sent them on ahead and said, well, I'll catch up with you over in Europe. 
And, and so the family goes, and no airplanes, right? Talking ships. And they're going across the Atlantic Ocean, and the family's ship was struck by another vessel and sank. Only the wife survived. She, she sends this telegram to him. And, and a, a telegram is like a letter that's sent electronically before email, okay? Um, uh, it, it, it literally just said, saved alone. So Spafford has to travel, and, and there is no quick way to catch up to his wife. He has to cross the Atlantic the same way that she did in a ship, and it's said that when, when that ship got close to the place where the, the, the collision took place, that the captain took Spafford aside and told him, this is the spot where it all happened. This is the spot where your daughters died. And Spafford goes down to his cabin after that news, standing in that place, and, and, and he wrote some very famous words. He wrote this. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. That's not happiness, is it? But it is joy. It is joy at its hardest point. And I want you to notice how, how joy and peace and hope. They, they, they overlap like intertwining fingers. They overlap because these are all rooted in God's love, in his goodness, and, and his gifts that overcome all of the terrible things that can happen to us in life. In fact, we might rightly say that joy is ours when God takes us by the hand, wraps his fingers in ours, and leads us through our lives like a father leading his child. Christmas is coming. Presents are, are being picked, purchased, and prepared. What do you want for Christmas? God is giving joy this year. Do you want it? Do you need it? He gives it through faith in Jesus, and he offers joy to everyone who trusts in him. Amen.